They work 10 to 12 hour shifts, and they're mostly 18 years old to 35 years old. Did you know that many of them, they're young people that you see up there, left their home, village, hundreds, maybe thousands of miles away? Did you know that some of those young ladies left their two, three-year-old in the village to work here because they will have no child care for them wherever they go to? Did you know that suicide rate for them to jump out of their complexes? There is a social cost for your iPhone. Did you know, next slide, that one of the greatest human migration that you've ever seen is in Chinese Lunar New Year, when all those migrant workers, 250 millions of them, trying to get and rush home in a two-week period of their vacation. Did you know that because of the, the, the complexity of the manufacturing, the things to satisfy your and my consumeristic needs, that there is a great economy in Foxconn. They're recruiting center. They're hustling outside. Did you know? Next slide. That, that because of this great economy, you know, they're traveling of thousands and hundreds of miles away, that they left and abandoned all their social safety nets, connections, the loneliness. It's out of this context that demands heroes. That demands heroes. In the context of Esther, as you and I know, that, that there are tribe facing ethnic cleansing. It's an unlikely hero like Esther that rises up, that is called by God. She's an orphan girl, uneducated, from a conquered people. She became the queen of Persia merely for her looks. She was considered by the religious people, by the true Jewish people, impure and defiled and unclean. She was in the royal court and eating the food that the pagans were eating. And she had to go through perfume rituals to make herself palatable to the, to the king of Persia who conquered their tribe. Friends, it is in this setting that you and I, that we see what's going on in China, what's going on, guys doing around the world, that it demands heroes. But who are heroes like this? Can you be a hero? Can I be a hero? When I went to China, when I looked out the window and saw those migrant workers, the sheep without shepherd, I came back again. And in, in those seminaries in China, they, they, it's not big. I have about 30 students. They can't have any more. Any more, you'll draw any, too much attention. So usually it's in a two, three-bedroom apartment. And in the living room, they, they just file up. It becomes their classroom. And the two rooms, it divides the boys' and girls' dormitory. Six, eight, ten to a room. And sometimes they have a third room, which I stay in. The guest lecturers come stay in. And they have usually a small little library. 
And in their little small library, they have 10, 15 books that they will go through. And you know they are well read because they're all worn. And you know what? I found, and I was browsing through this little library. And I, and I happened to see my mother's name. And that's my mother taking care of my daughter, Ava, when she was very little. And I said, wait a second. I'm in the middle of China, in the nowhere middle of China. And I see my mother's name. Why? What's going on here? Because my mother was an editor in a Christian organization in the early 90s. And she was doing some Romans commentary for this organization. And she kind of edited some of those books. And because of that, her name appeared in this commentary on Romans in the middle of China. She is a hero. Do you know that? There is a huge need in China right now because they have a great desperation for the word of God. And in the early uh, yeah, 90s, that was the great need. And there were a lot of effort that's being you know, sort of smuggling Bibles into, into China at the time. At the time, for great needs such as this, commentaries on Romans. I thought about going to China in 1992 as a missionary, and I did for summer with InterVarsity Global Project. And again in 1995. And at the time, the best way to go to China to evangelize the gospel was being an English teacher. But I just immigrated to the United States in 1986. I was still Fabi. Maybe you still remember. Yeah. It's okay. God used all kinds of people to be heroes, okay? And I thought, wait a second. I barely can speak English, and you're going to send me back to be English teachers? It just doesn't make sense. It, so it wasn't the option at the time. But who knows? 20 years later, God sent me back again. And this time is the right time for the right reason, for the right job. Friends, you can be a hero in God's grand story. You just have to be obedient. My mother would have never guessed when I told her that I found a little book that has her name on it that she edited. She was like, really? Wow. She can't even believe it. But that's the impact that you and I can have if we are obedient to what God wants us to do. Did you know that there are people in China right now that desperately need some kind of business ethic because it does not exist there. Okay, and there are friends of mine now in, that they're in high positions in North America and now they go back and they are invited to speak on such subjects. There's still a need for English teachers there. And now they're not just individual English teachers. But you know what? You can go back in and teach English, and then you can openly invite them to your Bible study for a lot of them. In fact, in many college campuses, they're so accepted that the 
university will actually let you start a church just for your, your own group. And not just for foreign teachers, but you are open to invite students. One of the great needs for the next 20 years in Asia, in China in particular, is going to be the needs of counseling, integration of theology and emotions. And that is also the reason why I'm participating in this organization called Becoming What God Intended, because it focused on exactly that. And so my wife, who is a Christian therapist, has been going back and teach a lot of lay counselors, church leaders to do such things. There is a great need for Christian organizational development. If you're in business development, you know what? You're in great demand. I am just in a, a situation where a church is trying to purchase a building. But as you know, they're underground. They cannot be registered. The government doesn't recognize them. So who is going to buy this building? How are they going to finance this thing? People, we need people who got business mind to, to get those things done. Just with us, any great story of a desperate setting, an unlikely hero, friends, that has to come with a struggle to increase attention, to make this even more important, isn't it? Because we see that Esther also gone through a struggle. Mordecai challenges Esther. It says, that, don't think for a moment that you will escape there in the palace when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance for the Jews will arise from, from some other place. Did you notice, Mordecai says, you know what, even if you choose not to do this, I am very confident God is going to raise up some other people to do his work. And that is a fact. But friends, you are in a specially special position for a day, for a situation just like this. But it will cost you. It costs of your personal safety for Esther. There's a cost for the risk of action. There's a cost for the follow Jesus. Sometimes it's, it causes you to challenge your preconception what life looks like, what a rule looks like, to abandon what you think is supposed to go. When I was teaching in a class, and this is a typical student class that you see. Some of the students in the back, you see they are a little older, maybe in their 50s. And the younger ones, they can range from 18 to early 30s. Late 20s. And some of the older ones, especially coming from the rural China, they would tell me and say, Professor Peter, you know, we are so glad to be here. Three hours ago, I was just sitting in the police station being interrogated. Friends, this is the cost for them to even join a, a training, a seminary class. Great faith demands Sometimes the rules will be broken. The rules to be challenged. And a couple more pictures. Here is a, a picture of what rural Chinese church looks like. 
I was to, to visit this church that you are looking at. I had to abandon all kinds of preconception of what safety is because they told me to show up at this bus station and to take a bus of three hours to an unknown city. And I went, got dropped off by the bus station, and there's a black van showed up at the bus station. Apparently, they know who I am. They grabbed me and dragged me into the black van, closed the door. It's all shaded, by the way. You can't see from the outside at all. Drove another 40 minutes and showed up at this church behind that you're looking at. Went into the complex, locked the gate, and, and let me out. There were a lot of things I had to abandon. My understanding of safety, of properness, whatever it might be, okay? And I did not know this was going to happen. So if I told my wife this is going to happen, we might have a conversation beforehand. And after we were there, and they didn't let us out pretty much for a whole week, and we took most of the picture on Friday, right before we're going to, you know, we're let out. We start from 8 o'clock, stop at 5 o'clock, just keep on going. And they are hungry for the word. And that's the situation that we live in. It's right next to a traditional Chinese village housing. You, have, you see little pigs running around. You see a little chicken running around. A little courtyard, 50 of us just hanging out, stuck in the complex. Next slide, please. And you see that they, they hire a special person to really cook for us. And because in the rural village, the vegetables are great. Okay. Real fresh. I mean, they picked it this morning. And then you, some of the aunts just brought it to the church this morning and we eat it. And you see uh, the bottom right, you know, that's where like 50 students just slept in a big sanctuary. And of course, the bathrooms, as you can tell. I was prepared to squat. That is not the problem. That is not a problem. You know, that is not a problem. We, I've been, you know, squatting and trying. Right? I'm prepared for this mission. I love to skiing, so you have a skiing exercise. I actually do wall squats anyway. So, But what I could not accept, and that challenged my personal hygiene and standard, was that those bunch of farmers, they go in the bathroom right next to each other, and they will have a conversation about their harvest <laughs> while they're doing their business. Lord, please forgive me. I could not accept that. <laughs> my partner and I, we always like look at each other and say, okay, why don't you go back and teach? Let me use the bathroom when they're all in the classroom, okay? <laughs> What is your struggle, friend? Is it about comfortable lifestyle? I love playing ultimate frisbee. How many of you play ultimate frisbee? Are, are you, do you guys even know spiders and you know some of the semi-pro team that in, in the Bay Area? Okay, so so I'm really into it. So I know the owners. I know I play twice a week. Okay, for 20 years. Sometimes my wife joked with me and said, I, I go play ultimate more religiously than going to church. 
Okay. So when I go to China, I can't exercise. I bought a pair of running shoes the first time I went to Beijing. What a mistake! You can run from outside. I mean, I came back from, from you know with a bronchitis the first time. And so from now on, I, I really just have those you know Darth Vader masks, right? And if I have to do exercise, I basically just do the stairs and the high rises when I go in, inside the either hotels or the the school that they put me up in. I cannot do that. It's a, it's a huge sacrifice for me, really. I mean. I miss my wife and my daughter first, of course. That's the official line, okay? When I go to China. <laughs> But I miss grass and ultimate too. <laughs> Maybe it's our concept of security or retirement, money. I, I've been a pastor for 20 years. I never really had to fundraise. Boy, this is a new job, and I had to fundraise, and I'm uncomfortable asking people for money. But then I look at the, my friends and brothers in China; they had to fundraise too, and they have no organization to speak of, like I'm talking to you about. But friends, maybe for you and I to step out in faith, we have to let go some of the rules. That we thought it existed. Remember what Esther says to Mordecai and said, "You know what? If I go speak to the king right now at this moment, I could be killed, because that was a rule in the royal court. You're not supposed to approach the king unless he calls you." But in order for her people to be saved, she had to sacrifice. She had to under. She had to break that rule. Are you ready to break some of the cultural assumptions about retirement, about the money that you need to keep, about when you're supposed to get married? Our hopes and dreams, friends. People have ambitions. I, I work in the. I mean, my church is right next to the Silicon Valley. The young people in my church—they have dreams to start companies, to raise a family. What is your dream? What's your ambition that needs to put and place on the altar so that God can not just redeem it, but bless it? One of the ways that I see a lot of us, we have this struggle and we have a hard time, is really through your prayer, friend. You can tell if you have a struggle or not. And a lot of us, a lot of people in my church, ask me, Pastor Peter, you know, I, I feel like God just doesn't answer my prayers. God doesn't answer my prayers, and I say, you know, tell me what kind of stuff you're praying about, okay? And and they will they will ask me they will say yeah um, I, I'm praying that you know God who should I date this girl or that girl I'm like wow that's good for you you have options you know <laughs> for a lot of other guys that's not even an option you know they just gotta do it right 
But that's the wrong prayer altogether. You, maybe God doesn't want you to date at this time. What happens is we have already a preconceived notion and we box God with multiple choice answers. Like, God, when do you want me to retire? 40 or 50? 50 or 60? God, how much money do I need to have in my portfolio so that, you know, I feel secure that I can do something for God? But is that what... Wait a second. Do I have some preconceived notion of what it makes me feel better? Or is this really what God is saying to you that you need to do? That we struggle with this all the time. And we give God multiple choice answers. And guess what? That's why God can't answer you. Because maybe what God wants to do is outside of your multiple choices. I have a high school friend, really, jokes with me all the time, right? He says, Peter, does your mom know that you're stupid? Answer yes or no, right? Can I answer him? I mean, I can. But friends, that's what we do to God all the time, right? And you wonder why you don't hear God, right? I, I go to a church one time, uh, this on a missions trip to Belize. And you're like, really? Are you sure not for vacation? It's Belize is a Central America country. And in fact, at one point in the late 80s, there 10% Chinese people in Belize, you're like, wow, really? It's a small country. It's only 300,000 people. The size of Fremont. So 10% is 30,000. So don't worry, okay? So I was in Belize, and there's a Chinese lady, and she, she was telling me, oh, Pastor Peter, I really want to retire to either New York or to, like, Seattle. And I'm like, why? And she's like, Oh, because Belize is so hot. I've been here for 20 years. I, I'm like sweating to death, you know? And, and I said, you know, that's great. I'm glad you recognize your need, right? Maybe you need to expand your prayer. Instead of giving God multiple choices, answer like Seattle or New York, just say, you know, God, I can't stand this heat. Please help me. Where? Open, at least you're honest with yourself but you're also open to what God wants to do. Right? Either God will change your perspective and make you feel okay with heat, or you're open to whatever he wants to do. Friends, because not only that we're in this setting that God is putting us in, that it demands a hero, it could be you, a very unlikely one, that there is a struggle, there's a tension, but it also takes courage. In verse 16, we see Esther's courage. So she asked Mordecai, and she says, Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My mates and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I'm willing to die. He also says that what's more... Mordecai says, who can say but that you have come to royal position for a time such as this? Friends, in order for you and I to have this courage to go against the stream, the cultural assumptions, to the peer pressure, 
to our con- consumeristic impulses, what would it take? We can learn from Esther. What it takes is that there's a prayer. There's a need and submission to, to submit to God what He wants to do. And not the multiple choice kind, but the kind of fasting, of repentance, the kind of desperation. We open, open to what God's option might be. And when He answers us, His own presence, His own confirmation will show through, through the congregation. That's what Esther asks, right? Esther asks that maybe the, all the Jews can pray for us. Not only that the prayer is necessary, that we see that Esther's courage came out of stepping out in faith. She says that, you know what, I will go. I will ask. I will break the rule. It's okay. I'm going to abandon my preconception of what, what safety is supposed to be. Let me go in. And I will ask the king. I will talk to the king. Friends, we also need to step out in faith. Whatever the rules, the boundaries of safety that you, you might have for yourself, maybe it's being constructed by your family, the expectations. If you want to experience God in a great way, you got to step out in faith to respond to God. Because when you respond to opportunity, just like Esther did, you know what? God would draw you into a new and very, very exciting adventure. That is our opportunity to participate in the grand story that God has said before us. If you have read Acts, you will know that Acts did not stop in chapter 28. It stopped abruptly. It has no ending. And most of the commentators, all the commentators say that it's on a purpose. Because the Acts of the Apostles continues with you, you, and you. Every single one of us. That we make up the rest of the story, the church history. That continues. Yes. The struggle is real. But there is courage that you and I can have. As we open our hearts, we invite the courage of God to come. Because you and I, we are not alone. We don't have to face this to muster up our own courage. Because we have to go back to Jesus Christ. As we look at Jesus Christ, we see the struggle. That he struggled just like we did. Didn't he also pray that... Father, if there's any way, please take this cup away from me. You don't think that was easy for him to go on the cross? It was not easy. He understands. He knows how we struggle. He knows how we work under the rules, the expectation of our parents, of our peers. He has grace for us. And because he goes through that, we can have the courage to respond. The courage does not come from ourselves, but experiencing that love of Jesus Christ, knowing that He has died for us. That He has gone through the struggle. That when we look at the sheep that is lost, 
the sheep without shepherd, that we can have the same kind of pity and compassion to respond courageously. Because you and I, we have come to a position such as this for a reason. On one of the trips going to China, there's a lot of time on the airplane. So on the way back, it was 17 hours altogether from where I was coming. You have a lot of time to read magazines. So I was reading this magazine one time on the airplane going to China, and I saw another person's name on the magazine that I know. It's a venture capitalist friend of mine that I play ultimate with. And I like him a lot. You know why? Because every year he invites me to go to play ultimate with him as his entourage in his uh, private villa in Mexico for about four days. So I like him a lot. (laughs) Pretty much all paid for. I have to only pay like airfare, that's it. But he pays for food, everything else. And I saw his name in, in, the, in the business magazine, Business Week magazine. He's number 48 for the most accomplished you know, venture capitalist in 2013. I'm like, oh, hey, that's cool. I know this guy. Then I realized while I was thinking about that, God was saying to me, did you know that your mom is on the Church History magazine just the same way? When we review in the kingdom of God, when there's a book that talks about the growth of China, the equipping of the saints, your mom's name is going to appear right there. Friends, you and I, we have the same opportunity to be part of this great history that God is doing that we can be part of this great story that God is propelling you and I into. This is the setting. The setting is Christendom is moving to Asia. It's going to be the most populous Christians in the whole world. That you and I, we, if we respond, can be the unlikely hero. Did you know that when my mother was participating, writing that, that, that book, editing... She was going through a nasty divorce with my father. She was depressed. Many of us think, who am I? I I have all those sins, I have all those struggles, but it is when you are the weakest, Jesus Christ is the strongest. Do you believe that? You can be that unlikely hero. Yes, the struggles are real. There are expectations upon us. There are financial pressures. There are constraints and rules that we say, we got to keep up the mortgage, the, the car payment, whatever it might be. But is it possible that when God wants to do great things, that he wants you to leave behind those rules? That he wants you to reevaluate the way that you live, your lifestyle, to move you forward? Because there is a courage that when you and I, when we look up Jesus Christ, that we can draw from and we can courageously respond. Let's pray together. Father, what a privilege that you draw us into. What a great story of the movement of the Christendom. Earth-shattering. 
God, when we were confronted with the needs and the tension of the setting, and we look at and realize that you choose the most unlikely people to be the heroes in your grand story. God, we know we're not worthy. God, we know that we're not good enough. But that's not what you're looking at. You look at us and you say that I want to invite you to be part of this grand story. It's not about you. It's not about your qualification. But it's about my choice. Because I want you to be part of this exciting journey. Because I want to be with you. I want to walk right next to you. Because when you abandon those rules, when you leave those rules behind, when you say, I want to go, that you will be with us. That's what you want. May you give us the courage to respond. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.